each and every one of you through this uh, one second, yeah, session. I do have a background in IT a little bit. Uh, in fact, I would say about close to 20, 25 years of my life I have spent in IT related fields. And I still remember that when uh, initially Oracle came into India, I was one of the distributors for the product in uh, based out of Chennai. I still remember, I don't know how many of you recall the court's rules of what qualifies a DBMS and what qualifies into an RDBMS. I hope all of you are aware. Court's rules has about uh, 13 points and uh, you need to score at least 10 or above before uh, it, it qualifies to be an RDBMS. And those days Oracle was not uh, the leading pack in India at least. So I do remember the number of presentations I've done just comparing DBMS and DBase 4 and Foxbase. They were all SQL of course, were all way ahead of competition those days. Of course, now we have secured a very big place in the industry. I do have some connections, so it's really nice that I can look back into the same organization 20, 25 years later. This should have been in the beginning of 90s when Oracle stepped into India, maybe 93, 94 times. So it's sort of a, with a lot of fond memories that I get into this uh, session. I just wanted to ask you a question. You are an executive uh, working in an organization, rather a professional. And uh, each of the professionals would always like to advance their career in uh, whatever path they have uh, chosen. If there is one requisite that is essential for you to advance in your career, what would that be? You can introspect on this for a few seconds and maybe if you have a notepad or if you're watching this out of a laptop, open a notepad and maybe write down the answer to this question. What is that one single prerequisite that is essential for you to continuously soar up and up in the career graph? The right the answer will take about five ten seconds. I'll come to that once you're done. Okay, let me assume since I don't have access to what you have returned and I'm not looking at the chat box, I presume you would have returned quite a few answers, if not more than one. If you sum up all of the answers that you have written, subjective, objective, all of them put together, they'll finally come down to one single uh, requisite, prerequisite for you to continuously soar in your career graph. I would call it as a skill set. Skill sets is something that you need to continuously expand for you to uh, grow in any career of your choice. Leave alone in Oracle. Even if you have a spiritual pursuit alone, even there you need to continuously expand on your skill sets. The skill sets of yesterday will not help you to even survive today, specifically in the pandemic times that we're in. So that takes us to the important question, which sets the base for the entire conversation we are going to have in the next 20 25 minutes or so. What is a skill set? Would you mind introspecting again, writing down? any answer that comes to your mind. Uh, this might take a little bit longer. You can make it in a few words or one or two sentences. The question is, what is a skill set? Can you pull out your pens or your fingers and uh, reach out to your uh, laptop and type it out? What is a skill set? 
okay, let me assume that you have returned and maybe it spans maybe just a sentence or so. Let me uh, come to the definition aspect. A skill set by definition, I'm very sure many of you might have returned as consisting of uh, knowledge. Let me ask you another question. All of you would have gone through the school days when you were all pretty. Some of you would have liked the subject called mathematics. Some of you might not have. But this uh, single equation that I'm going to share, I'm very sure all of you will remember the answer for this for sure. What would be the answer for a plus b whole square? I'm sure it will just just let it come out of your memory. You know, you will say a squared plus two ab plus b squared. Okay, let me follow through the next uh, question. When did you last use this in your day-to-day -day life after having passed the school exam? When did you really use it in your day-to-day -day life once you cleared the answer to this question? In all probabilities, in all the thousands of leadership and coaching sessions I've done, the answer normally comes through as blank. Unless you are an applied mathematics student who is teaching something uh, as a subject somewhere, you would have lost track of uh, completely this. Okay, let, uh, let me come to the next point. Then, uh, what is the point in acquiring all this knowledge which we finally are not going to use? Are we even aware that we are being dumped with the source of knowledge, uh, specifically in this uh, digital world, thanks to the social media, the WhatsApp forwards and all that? Do we really even have uh, control on the knowledge that is being uh, dumped on us? And uh, we are also you know, continuously acquiring all this uh, knowledge, whether we need it or not. Let me come to the next question. Uh, let's assume that I'm going to put forward a question to you. Uh, let's say that uh, all those who are watching this program, let's assume that you don't know swimming. Uh, maybe some of you know, but let's assume for the sake of deliberation that you don't know what swimming is or how to swim rather. Rather, if I throw you into a deep pool of water, in all probability will uh, sink. Next 30 days, starting from say tomorrow morning, every day morning, I will send you a video or a WhatsApp or a text lesson or whatever for 30 days on how to swim. I, I have learned swimming, so I know what swimming is. So I'll teach you how to float, how to do a forward stroke or a backward stroke or a butterfly or whatever. And uh, after 30 days, they take you to the deep end of a pool, which is about 20 feet and throw you into the water. What is likely to happen? Would we be able to swim? Obviously not. Because all along what you have learned is nothing but the theoretical aspect or the knowledge aspect of what constitutes skill set. The real time when you really will find use for uh, knowledge is when you put it in action. Every day I teach you swimming through the videos or uh, WhatsApp or whatever. And you have to go there and put yourself into the water and practice all of them. It's not going to get uh, coded into your uh, memory system. What we call as uh, developing muscle memory. So skill set by definition is just a constitution of two words knowledge in action this is the very simple definition but would it stop there the topic that i have taken up today uh, i don't know uh, i would have shared it uh, through the email is uh, motivation and uh, self-actualization what has that got to do what has skill set got to do with motivation and self-actualization just give me a few minutes before i set the pace and move there let's assume that uh, 
you are building a lot of skill sets. For example, you have built up a skill set of uh, swimming. La for the sake of uh, example, let me also give you another uh, example through which I'll come back to the same question. Let's assume I have spent about five to 10 years learning the language of French. And I become extremely competent in speaking the language of French to the extent that even French people will think that I should have been a Frenchman in this birth or the earlier uh, birth. Having spent all the time for about three to five years going through all the sessions, actually I don't speak French, I understand about three, four words. Having now understood and learned uh, French and put it into action, I built it as a skill set. And let's assume that uh, in the profession that I am in of consulting, coaching, training people, in the next three to five years, I do not have any plans of expanding beyond the borders of India, nor do I have plans of engaging with any French audience uh, working in uh, India. Then what is likely to happen with my skill set? It would be like a fixed deposit which does not earn interest. What would be the point? Even if you have earned money and then you put that money into the bank, if the banker tells you that I'm not going to give you interest, just leave the money with me, would you do that? Even when it comes to a very simple monetary transaction, we would like to see ROA or what we call as return on investment. The same is true for skill sets. If I'm going to invest the most precious aspect of my life, which I call as time, Time is something that once gone, we are not going to get back. And if I'm going to invest that time in sharpening my knowledge and putting that into action, spending time uh, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, and acquire a qualification on which I become a master, and I don't use it. In the case, in my case, the question of friends, I don't use it at all. What is the point? It goes down the drain. The same way, any skill set is of no use unless it is aligned to what is known as a goal. Rather, it is the goal that a person that we need to have that determines what skill sets we need to actually go ahead and get. There was a very surprising study done way back in the late 90s across globe uh, uh, by one of the leading uh, statistical agencies. They did a survey to find, they surveyed about 80 countries or spanning about five continents, met thousands and thousands of executives. Through various clustering techniques, they found out that close to 98% of the people who had been surveyed did not have a return goal nor a plan to as to what they want to do with their life. What we call as a vestibule syndrome. If you have been, any of you are familiar with the Mumbai uh, traffic, specifically the Mumbai train traffic. If you move it to any other suburban station in the morning, you don't need to do anything. Somebody will pull you into the train and in some station, somebody will push you out. And many of us, uh, life is like that. We get up in the morning and reach office. Of course, these days it's all virtual. We reach our office room in either our bedroom or living room. And eight to 10 hours, we just go through meetings and Zoom calls and boarding or whatever is your work. And at the end of the day, you're out what we call as a vestibule syndrome. The same happens to all these 98% of the people who have been interviewed, that they just went through the motions of life. They did not know what uh, they were wanting to achieve. They didn't have very clear goals. And surprisingly, the other two persons who were interviewed were the top-notch performers across the globe. 
and these were the people who are consistently landing up in becoming as uh, CEOs and CTOs and CXOs and uh, entrepreneurs who had definite goals and they were controlling almost 80% of the world's wealth. 2% of the people who had very clear goals and plans. If I were to ask you a very uncomfortable question, of course, I will not be able to find out the answer because all of you are sitting elsewhere. If it had been a classroom, it would have been much more fun. Let's assume that I'm going to ask you, please pull out from your pocket and show me what is your goal for the next one year? And what are the plans that you have to achieve those goals? In all probabilities, in more than about five to 10 lakh people that I have covered, less than 1% of the people had come out showing that they had something which is written down as a goal. And they had a definitive plan. And these are the people actually were doing. Many of the people had a very good intention, but intentions don't take you too far in life. These goals that you have or you must have is what determines where you're headed. Like the famous story in Alice in Wonderland. If you want to, if you don't know where you're heading, any road will take you there. I mean, even if I step out of my house and uh, if I'm standing on the, the road, which, which has say three directions, and then ask the person, where does this road go? In all probability, the first question that the person would ask me is that, where do you want to go? I mean, I can always tell him, why, what do you, why do you want to know where I want to go? And he would say that, unless you tell me where you want to go, how can I tell you where this road goes? The same is true for life. Many of us, many times, don't even know where we are supposed to go. And hence, what happens is we don't know what skills to build up. And we continue to acquire skill sets. And it has been found that uh, less than 2% of the acquired skill sets of corporate executives are actually put to use in real life, which means 98% of the time that you have invested in your life to pick up skill sets are not even used. What, what would be a, a bigger tragedy than investing time, money, effort, hard, sweat and blood, and picking up skill sets which you don't use. So the fundamental learning before we move to the topic of motivation and self-actualization is any skill sets that you want to build up must be aligned to goals. Of course, when it comes to goals, you can have personal goals, you can have professional goals, you can have social goals. Uh, you may have one goal in each, you may have multiple goals, but uh, many of them typically are uh, something that gives you some kind of a direction, whether the goals are short-term, mid-term, long-term. Short-term goals are typically say three to six months, six months to a year. Mid-term goals are between one to two years or so. And long-term goals are say between two to three years or four years or something like that. When you have those goals and very, very clear what those goals are, you also then have a chance to look within to find, to achieve these goals, what are the skill sets that I need? And to reach these goals, what are the skill sets I would need in addition to what I currently have? And considering that many of us have, uh, many of us have bodily flag, but how many of you are aware that you have a skill set flag? Many of us have wonderful skill sets that you have never ever used in our life, uh, even for fun, even for hobby, whatever it may be. And if you are able to do a quick analysis of what your goal one year from now is in Oracle, for example, in your profession, and then you decide to reach this desired uh, change in position or a scale up in my career, these are the skill sets that I would need. And this is where uh, introspection, SWOT analysis, support from HR department should help you. You write on the list of uh, skill sets that you would need to reach there and then take stock of the current skill sets uh, that you have and then find what are the gap and then spend the rest of the time, say half an hour a day, one hour a day, 
in fulfilling uh, whatever knowledge that you have to acquire and make it uh, match with the skill gaps that you have between what you are currently to what you want to become. And this is exactly what skill gap is about and this is what skill set is about. And if you have learned that art, then you will move on and understand what topic that I'm going to do. Let me just change the screen and show you something else. So look at my screen. I have uh, I have just uh, put a small uh, image file there. Maybe you'll be able to find that a person is uh, climbing up a few mountains and uh, running up further. Just take a minute off in your uh, laptop holding a notepad. Just write down a few sentences. What comes to your mind the moment you saw this image on your screen? I hope all of you are able to see the backdrop that I have. Just uh, write down a few sentences uh, in your laptop, in your notepad, or in your uh, notebook paper. What comes to your mind when you see this image? I'll give a little bit of time for you to write down, and then I'll move into this. Okay, let's, let's assume that uh, all of you have uh, written down some answers. Normally, it might take a little bit longer in a classroom where we actually have people come up, uh, share, explain what their perspectives are, and that helps us to understand uh, things a little bit better. But uh, since there's not a classroom session, and this is not a corporate uh, leadership session per se directly, I'll just take that you've written down some answers, and some of the answers that might have popped up in your head is that you see a person who seems to be determined, he seems to have a goal because he's not running nowhere, he's running up and up and up. Which means he has something in mind that he wants to scale up and move a little bit. Uh, somebody has put a message, but the goal is higher, we have to develop our skills higher. Okay, good. That's a good observation. So let's assume that uh, you have written down that the person has a goal that is going up. And as he goes up, you'll find that it's not an easy path, specifically for those who have set goals. There are easy goals that some of them set. There are people who set uh, uh, sort of a conservative goal. There are people who set tough goals, and there are then people who set stretch goals. And many corporates push for stretch goals, which is uh, quite a while. They go through annually through this uh, process when they do the performance evaluation, and then take what what are the goals that you want to achieve. And then they put a stretch. They say that you know, go for 30% more, 40% more, things like that. These are all called a stretch goals. When you set a stretch goal, is when you want to really run, is when the topic of motivation really comes. What has motivation got to do with uh, goals? Because goals have a lot to do with skill sets, but what has motivation got to do with goals? For that, you need to understand what actually motivation is. If you really understand uh, the definition of motivation, we have moved to the etymology of what uh, the word motivation really means. Etymology is the study of root of words. The word uh, motivation, because English as a basic language has less than 1,000 words on its own. 
the rest of the lakhs and lakhs of words that we have is because of the ability to adapt and pick up from several other languages. And predominantly, these are all other European languages like uh, Latin and French and Greek and all that. That's why they picked it up from. The word motivation has uh, its one of the roots comes from a Latin word called movi, uh, which actually means to maintain the force. Motivation actually in real parlance means it is, as someone has put, it gives us the energy to work hard. Yes. And what do you need energy? The energy is needed for you to convert it into force. And why do you need a force? It says uh, the force is what uh, motivation is. In this photograph that you are seeing as a backdrop, the person is moving from one point to another point. Obviously, it's not remaining static. For those who are static in their life, for those who do not have goals in their life, there is no movement. They, they don't have movement. They don't need momentum as well. They don't need to move anywhere. All they have to do is just wait there for things to happen. Whereas in this case, a person who has set a goal has to move from point A to point B. Whether the point A to point B movement is financial, education, social, career graph, or whatever it may be. That is the movement that is needed. I need to move from where I am to a place where I want to go. And according to the law of physics, you will understand that unless there is a force that is applied, you will not be able to move from where you are to where you want to go. This is a very simple definition of motivation. I'm not diving deep because on the subject of motivation alone, we can go for another two or three days time. There is so much of content that is available, specifically those who are looking forward. You can of course do a Google and find if that interests you, you can go ahead and read. Let's now find what are the connect between motivation and uh, self-actualization. And prior to that, let me uh, just go a little bit deeper to share with you when we are talking about motivation as a force, there are two kinds of forces that can be applied. For a person who is standing on the road, let's take the example of a bullock cart. The bullock cart, there the bulls don't necessarily always pull the cart on their own. They need someone to initially sort of give them a push from behind. For many of us, almost 99, 98% of us, even if we have set a goal, we need someone to, from outside, to push us a little bit. And this is normally called as an external motivation. But if that bull had to, who is uh, the bull which is put, uh, pulling the cart, has to be continuously whipped from behind for it to run, Neither the person who is whipping the bull nor the bull might relish that. While it is all right for you to have someone nodding you, prodding you, pushing you a bit, nudging you a bit for you to move towards your goal, it may not be a great idea for someone to be pushed all the time. I'm very sure that eight to ten hours of work that you do, maybe once, twice, thrice a day, your immediate team lead or your project manager or somebody will come and tell you to do something that. That's like an external thrust or an external force as an external motivation. The true motivation is when the person uses his own force to run. For example, there are uh, you know, pickup dogs, there are watchdogs. All you have to do is you have to show the smell. And then what happens? It runs around till it finds the object and then brings back what it's supposed to bring to the owner. 
these are the class breed dogs the same way there are many people all they have to do is to get the smell of what they have to chase here the smell i'm referring to is the goal that you have once they have instead of depending on external motivation which creates the force they actually convert that into what we call as a internal motivation internal intrinsic motivation is a far better stuff in one of the book that i wrote in life skills 101 i have spent a lot of time in differentiating between external motivation and internal motivation and what is internal intrinsic motivation when the person is highly charged he has a tremendous uh, smell of the goal and he has a tremendous sense of ownership for the goal he doesn't have to be told by anybody please go ahead and search for the goal and run for the goal once you are able to internalize the force all you do is you chase the goal on your own these are the people whether in material pursuits or spiritual pursuits who have reached tremendous amount of heights and what really makes them run towards that that kind of an height let me just uh, change my backdrop for you to see something else here okay so this is what is here as a backdrop here is also known uh, famously in uh, motivational parlance as the maslow hierarchy of needs maslow abraham maslow who lived in the 30s and 40s who did extensive research on what motivates people even after 70 years this model of course it has gone through a lot of variations and changes this is in fact one of the most research model there are thousands and thousands of people have taken the phd's out of this even today hr managers use this model to find what actually motivates people if you look at it there are about say five steps at the lowest step you will find that the mobility would so that you get here at the lowest end you will find what are known as physiological needs physiological needs are the basic needs or also known as hygiene needs of any person these are the needs that you need to like food uh, water things like that without which we can't even be and these are all called as basic hygiene needs without this you will not be even able to live and these are all basic motivational needs this is something for which every human being will somehow run and get the challenge comes when as you move up the ladder of the maslow's hierarchy of needs you may not have the same level of force internal force and that's where a combination of external and internal force comes when you move up the maslow's hierarchy of needs when you look at the second level you will find what are known as safety needs this is like having your own home and all things like that this is uh, moving up your financial ladder a little bit and then finding or uh, newer ways of increasing your uh, income so that you have something more other than just uh, meeting your uh, three meals a day kind of a need that many people below poverty line or who just have enough uh, money that they have that they can only spend it on food that basic needs then they move on to what is known as safety needs and once those safety needs are uh, taking care of they start looking for love and belonging needs they look for affection they look for love they look for family they look for some kind of a social bonding and once that is taken care these people open up they now believe that uh, the basic three building modules of what it takes to live is taken care of and now the rest of needs take over and then they want to show to the world that i am this 
I am that, you know, and then that gets flashed in terms of either social accomplishments or material accomplishments or whatever. And self-esteem is something which actually gets uh, displayed in various ways. And people want that to be seen by the world so that their esteem grows and in their own views, in their own eyes and in the eyes of the world, they believe that they have done something really good. And many people actually more or less stop at the third or the fourth level of master. This is what Abraham has to itself said. The last one, which is actually the true potential of every human being. I always used to say that if someone has ever achieved anything in their life as a human being, the same is possible for everyone to achieve. For example, if a Buddha was born, if a Christ was born, if a Mahamuni was born, a Jain Mahamuni was born, and they achieved uh, the ultimate goal of self-realization, or uh, even uh, in the system of Atmanas, Dalaj Maharaj, Babu Maharaj, Chari Maharaj, Siddhaji, all have achieved the highest pinnacle that is possible for a human being. And this is exactly what they say also. This is the potential that is available for every human being. If an Einstein can find out a theory of relativity, if Ramanujam can solve a series of puzzles which are never solved before, if a Mahatma Gandhi could unleash the true potential of himself and all the Indians and bring them together to achieve uh, independence for India, the same is possible. The seed is sown. Whether it is something that you believe that you want to go and achieve or not, it's your call. But self-actualization is something. A famous study once said, though there is no exact data available, that Einstein, considered to be the centuries, uh, 20th century's biggest scientist, did not even achieve 7% of the potential that he had during his lifetime. Imagine a person like Einstein, Albert Einstein, whose uh, theory of relativity is not understood that easily, even today we are winning, except people like Stephen Hawking. He himself had achieved only 7% of the potential. And imagine what is the potential that you and I would be having that we are not utilizing. And that is possible for you to achieve only when you unleash the true potential of what you have inside. And this is where uh, spirituality comes in to help you maintain that internal force by starting as an external motivation to start with. A guru comes into your life. He tells you that the highest possible that they have achieved in the life is possible for you to achieve as well. And when I actually dive deeper into this topic, the questions always come up. Just by achieving spiritually, how does it really help you in my material life? Let me put it this way, if you're climbing Mount Everest and the height is say 28,880 feet or it keeps growing one centimeter a year as they say, let's say that 29,000 feet. As you climb up, every 100 feet that you climb up, you'll find pearls, you'll find diamonds, they're all hidden there. You can choose them as well. When you go up the spiritual ladder, material success is something that is something which gets uh, unleashed without your knowledge. Because spiritual uh, progress is all about uh, removing fear, improving your confidence, giving you the support of the divine to work inside of you through the system of pranavati, through the system of cleaning, through the system of uh, prayer. All these are continuously and consistently enabled inside of you. And when you're able to do that, when you believe uh, the initial words of your teacher or the guru who says that the highest human potential, which is uh, self-realization, 
God realization or finding the highest true potential is something that is possible for you through the system. And you start going through there. What he does through the external support at some point of time is to convert all that external support into an internal potential and put that seed inside of you which grows so that you are able to reach the highest self-actualization potential that each human being has. Let me now connect all the dots so that I can stop here and then allow certain questions to take, be taken up before we move into the segment of meditation. As I shared uh, in the beginning, for you to progress in your life, you need to continuously acquire uh, skill sets. Skill sets is a combination of uh, continuous acquisition of knowledge and putting them into action. Putting knowledge into action is not the only thing that is going to help you. But putting knowledge into action, which continuously becomes a set of skill sets, which gets, uh, which gets moving on and on and on. You, they need to be aligned to what are known as goals. And these goals can be personal, professional, social goals. The goals can be short term, mid term, long term. Each of the goals must have a plan for you to back it up, where the plan includes the resources and skill sets that you need to build. And to reach this goal, you need to maintain a force so that you don't stop from moving because the moment you stop, the goal goes farther or at least you don't reach the goal. To reach uh, this uh, ideal uh, momentum or force, you have either external motivation or internal motivation. External motivation is transitory or temporary. If you're going to permanently depend on external motivation, uh, very rare are the chances that you're going to continuously run because you need somebody to push you all the time, uh, whip you all the time from behind for you to run. Hence, it's better to internalize the motivation. To internalize the motivation, we also found out that it is essential for you to know what are the possibilities for you to achieve in your life. Hence, we spoke about Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy of need. We spoke about the physiological needs which many of you at least in your career would have overcome long ago. Then you might have in all probability overcome the safety needs. Many of you must have, if not, uh, you need to really prospect and find. You must have overcome the love and belonging needs as well that they're all taken care of. You have a good family, a good set of relation, friends and uh, whatever, uh, executives in office, your colleagues. Then now your self-esteem starts flourishing. You want to share the world what you are capable of. And do not start, stop there. Go ahead and see what self-actualization, what is your true potential. Keep asking the question. Like the famous uh, question what uh, Dhamana Maharishi asked of himself, who am I? What is my potential? Find out that potential. Take the help of an external guru who can help you with the system of meditation or whatever it is. Help you internalize so that you maintain the force to reach the highest goal that is possible for you in this lifetime. I take a pause here for uh, you to introspect and throw up any questions on the chat box or through Partha. I'll take it up maybe for five minutes or so and then we can move on to the system of meditation that you'll uh, experience today for about 15-20 minutes we close off the session. Yes, Partha, over to you. I'm sorry, I was speaking on mute. So Naren wants to know, he has put a question in the chat. What is the reason that 98% people don't set goals? 
Maybe the answer uh, must have come to Mr. Narayan when I asked that question during the session itself. How many of you can reach out your pocket and pull out a sheet of paper or uh, you are returning your mobile and show it to me that you have a return code? Why is it? There are two reasons. Uh, one, we are not aware. Uh, when you look at uh, C.K. Prahalad's uh, famous model, which made him famous, unconscious incompetence, as he used to say. I'm not aware that I'm not aware. I don't know that I have to set goals. Uh, thanks to the education system, we go through a process where the academics is given more importance, not self-improvement. Nobody has ever taught us throughout our life, but subconsciously we are all aware that we need to have a goal. Once we move it from unconscious incompetence and move into the spectrum of conscious incompetence, as C.K. Prahalad normally says, I am aware now that I am not aware. This is a better state that I am not aware that I am not aware. Unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. Now, at least in this session today, we have learned that it is important for us to set goals. Say, for example, by end of today, you want to write down the goals that you want to achieve in whatever format. Write a plan behind it and start igniting. Let me ask you another rhetorical question. Why is it that uh, less than 5% of the world population holds 95% of the world? It is a statistical fact uh, which is uh, repeated even Google and find it out. 5% of the world's population or even lesser holds 95% uh, of the world's wealth and it is the 95% who actually work for them. It is because one, they don't have competitive goals and uh, they don't continuously exercise the internal motivation for them to drive. And this is precisely the reason why many of us also are not aware. For example, you turn up at work, you do so much of work to make oracle progress. Right? Because oracle, the top level people are smart enough to set very clear top line, bottom line goals and push you working towards that by enticing you, enticing you with monetary benefits, professional benefits, very good working culture, and so many things. They are very clear. What have you learned by being in an organization like other organization? They have annual goals. They split it into quarterly goals. They have periodical appraisals. They tell you, this is your goal, you have not reached there. When did you have your family talking to you to tell you that uh, Mr. Narayan, I am your wife, I am your son, you are supposed to have these goals in your life. Why you are not setting? Why, what are you doing to reach there? In case we are able to develop that culture of coaxing people into setting goals, even family, even a homemaker can have goals. What's wrong? Absolutely none. You have your children who can set goals. What are the goals that they are comfortable with? Once that culture becomes part of us, it helps us. That's why you'll find that spiritual seekers are very few because nobody knows that spirituality can be a goal. They just assume that it is something that you reach out to in hours of crisis. Whereas for me, I give so much focus on spirituality as I give on my own profession. Because for me, spirituality is like profession. I take it with the same seriousness I take my profession with. And hence, whatever personal strides I have made in spiritual life is because I have brought the same kind of intensity I bring to my profession to spirituality as well. And the same if you bring it to your personal life as well, imagine what it can do for you. I hope I have partly answered because a very deep question might take quite a lot of time for me to dive deeper, but I've given a little bit of an insight uh, to the question raised by Mr. Narayan. 
Thank you, Ms. Narayan. Anything else which is popping up on the box? I don't see anything yet. Yes. So do we take there any further questions? What, sir, what was the book you wrote on the parenting? Uh, what is, uh, that book is called as Peaceful Parenting, which was uh, released uh, around uh, August of last year. It's available as a Kindle version. You can look it up and uh, download it. It's, I have priced it in such a way that almost every parent should be able to buy and read. I kept it at about 49 rupees or so. Deliberately, I kept it low. And it has a series of uh, perspectives, including what the current children are and why there is a huge gap between the current generation and our generation. Anyone born prior to 90, I call it as our generation. I'm very sure if you're working in order to long enough, you'll be born 90 or before for sure. Yeah. 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 So obviously, uh, when you read this book, it's about 80 pages. You can read in one and a half hours time max. And the Kindle version is very easy. Uh, you'll get a lot of perspectives on what it means uh, to be a parent in the current uh, situation and how it is uh, so much of an additional responsibility because the children of this generation are far, far, far superior to what we are. And the first step is to accept that, <laughs> which is very difficult. Our ego is one another. Anyway, you can go and uh, bite off uh, Amazon Kindle and uh, read it in the store. Sure, sir. Should we move to meditation session, Dr. Yes. Since all are already there, I think they all know what to do. Uh, yes. Just uh, the supposition that the divinity which is present everywhere, uh, the source of light is present in my heart too. I'll say, please start and then I'll mute myself. Keep your eyes closed and whatever work needs to happen will happen. After 15-20 minutes, whenever I'm done, I'll unmute myself and say, that's all. Once I say, that's all, keep your eyes closed for another minute. Or so, observe yourself what is happening. You can maybe stop the recording here, uh, Pati. 